section nineteen of social life in england seventeen fifty to eighteen fifty by f j folks jackson this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by pamela nagami lecture seven mid-victorianism w m thackeray part one the word respectable has a strange history in the days of the later roman empire its equivalent spectabilis was applied to the highest dignitaries in france it is a title of honour votre respectable mère means something very different from your respectable mother in england respectability is associated with primness faded clothes and possibly necessary penuriousness one would not seek a way to a lady's good graces by describing her as a respectable woman when we say a man's abilities are respectable it is in order to get someone else to give him employment it is a word which conveys ridicule ever since the famous dialogue in thurtell's trial for murder witness the prisoner was a respectable man counsel what do you mean by respectable witness well uh he kept a gig the characteristic of mid-victorian society was respectability and i shall try to show that its chief exponent w m thackeray was its prophet the english race has always had a bias in favour of what is known as puritanism not only in religion but in life i think it may be said of us that we dislike intensely to have a thing forbidden by law but love to have many forbidden by custom we abhor a number of notices put up to say we must do this or that that most things are forbidden we detest a police who interfere with the ordinary affairs of life and force us under penalty to submit to trivial regulations but we have no objections to the erection of a number of conventions far more irksome than any legal code of morals and we submit to a police system created by ourselves more vigilant more inquisitive more given to informing than any secret service in the world for what laws were ever devised more drastic in their operation than those of public opinion and has any famegericht or inquisition ever judged unseen and condemned unheard on the report of the police in a more secret and summary fashion than that of the tea-table of mrs grundy never was society more under the thrall of these dominating influences than in the early and mid-victorian age the reason for this seems plain enough the eighteenth century had been distinguished for the coarseness of its language manners and morals the upper classes combined a good deal of old-world politeness with a surprisingly frank disregard of moral considerations there were conspicuous exceptions but the singular impunity enjoyed by men of high rank and position made them often callous as to the opinion of their inferiors the lower classes were accustomed to brutal sports and cruel amusements and unrestrained by any effective police besides being entirely uneducated the middle class which was daily becoming more and more important to the life of the nation owing to the rapid development of trade and manufacture was gradually monopolizing the political control of the nation it was in this class that the evangelical and methodist movements had achieved their chief successes 
and those who composed it were fundamentally serious-minded under the regency and during the reign of george the fourth and william the fourth the court was essentially aristocratic and neither monarch gave it any prestige on the side of morality queen victoria took a middle-class view of life domesticity was the keynote of her reign the prince consort was the model husband and father so correct so admirable so exemplary that even now we are apt to forget how able and wise a man he was and how heavy a debt his adopted country owes him one of the effects of the victorian age was that england awoke to a most amazing sense of its own virtue people were continually contrasting the present with the past to the disadvantage of the latter in the forties and even fifties many people could remember the time when it was unsafe to approach london after dusk on account of the highwaymen when men women and children were hung by the score for the merest trifles when duels were of almost daily occurrence when the grossest abuses existed in church and state when immorality in the highest quarters flaunted itself unashamed before the world old men could recall a time when to get drunk and use the foulest possible language was almost necessary if a man was not to be written down as a milksop and the contrast was almost too delightful to the newly emancipated middle class in their neat villas with trim gardens whence they went to church decorously sat in their select pew their large families around them and thanked god that they were not as other people's wicked ancestors had been in one of lever's novels i believe an irish solicitor was asked by an englishman the reason for the success of a famous counsellor with juries and replied he first butters them up and then slithers them down i'm going to take the same liberty with that great novelist w m thackeray only i protest that my butter is genuine and were i an irishman myself i should say it came from the heart i cheerfully bow before the genius of england's master of fiction his characters are my friends his kindly wisdom my delight his pathos can move me almost to tears his cynicism is a constant stimulant his style is to me incomparable and fills me with envy and despair his books are my best companions in sickness and in health in depression and in my most cheerful moments if i am his critic it is because he is so old a friend that i love him alike for his weaknesses and peculiarities and for his great merits with the utmost humility i commend his scholarship and appreciation of the literature of the eighteenth century his four georges and english humorists are to me models of what literary lectures should be i could praise him till i wearied my audience and all my praise would be absolutely genuine no student of thackeray can fail to admire the way in which he prepared himself by study for his historical novels in esmond and in the virginians he saturated himself in the literature of his period he could catch the style of the pamphleteer the newspaper writer he reproduces the conversation of the wits so as occasionally to deceive the very elect the descriptions of life at castlewood 
of the service in winchester cathedral the letters of the marchioness of esmond henry esmond's contribution to the spectator the account of the battle of Vainandalat, etc are all masterpieces so are some of the minor characters in these novels will esmond in the virginians for example father holt esmond's jesuit tutor and above all parson sampson in the virginians but his principal actors are not i think of the eighteenth century at all they are the people thackeray himself knew in the garb of their supposed period but really men and women of the middle of the nineteenth century esmond and george warrington rachel lady castlewood and her incomparable daughter beatrix are with all their perfect accessories modern men and women playing a part admirably it is true but still a part in the comedy of a bygone age in the days of anne and the georges i am confident no one felt or acted or thought as they are represented by our author it is only when thackeray is out of sympathy with his heroes that he makes them true to their age in barry linden we have the genuine article so we do in his uncle the chevalier de balabari so again in every character in catherine which was intended as a burlesque but in the more serious novels i feel somehow that thackeray did not really transport his characters into a bygone age of this he seems to have been conscious himself when he drew pictures to illustrate vanity fair he did not depict rawdon crawley as a waterloo guardsman nor becky as a lady of fashion in eighteen sixteen nor pitt as an aristocratic member of the clapham set he drew them as the people he knew himself and dressed them in the costume of his own time thus acknowledging how he really regarded his own creations the ruling aristocracy came to an end when the reform bill was passed in eighteen thirty two but their prestige remained the middle class entered the promised land and took their share in its government but not triumphantly i may almost say they were abashed by their success the peers could no more return a great proportion of the house of commons they could no more promote or cast down common men much as they pleased they dare no longer defy public opinion as their predecessors had done yet to the middle class they still appeared august enough their manners their breeding the state in which many lived inspired no little awe among those immediately below them society was divided into castes almost as rigidly though less formally than in india to-day the old whig nobility still considered themselves divinely called to rule the country and to dictate to the sovereign the county families held aloof from the inhabitants of the town and barely tolerated the professional classes the beneficed clergy barristers medical men lesser army officers etc scorned the traders the wholesale trader held the retail shopkeeper in scorn and so on ad infinitum but in england the barriers of rank were never insurmountable and in a free country any one was at liberty to try to climb them hence everybody endeavoured with varying success to ascend the social ladder and did not scruple to use other people as stepping-stones thus arose the fierce fight to get into what is still called society 
and the rampant snobbery which thackeray was never tired of denouncing with this we may begin the investigation of his attitude towards the society of his age the great example of this pushfulness is thackeray's most delightful creation in vanity fair becky sharp though she assuredly was no snob with all her doubtful antecedents however becky at least married into the ranks of the aristocracy and in her husband our author has created so real a person that one is actually disposed to question whether he was rightly judged by the author of his being we are told that rawdon crawley was stupid badly educated unaccustomed to good society at least when ladies were present but if he were such an oaf why did his rich aunt miss crawley who had known sheridan and the wits make such a fuss about him and make him sit at table with herself and becky because we are the only christians in the county why was he allowed to act in the charades at gaunt house on that memorable night of his wife's triumph the fact is that thackeray was obsessed with the idea that all young men of fashion were necessarily stupid it is a thoroughly middle-class tradition and we find it constantly in his pages because of certain mannerisms and affectations because they cared little for literature because they fought duels and gambled all young men about town were not necessarily fools and it was a mistake to depict rawdon crawley as on the one hand uncommonly sharp and also a fool but it is because thackeray's genius has created such a living being that we are indignant at his failure to make him conform to our ideas of what we think he really was we regard him as a living man whom his creator has misjudged and not as the figment of the brain of the author End of section nineteen